Hey, give the Bridge Youth a good hand. We love you guys. This is an awesome sight. And tomorrow, the Bridge Youth, several of them, a whole lot of them are going to summer camp for the week. And yeah, listen to those parents screaming. They're so excited to get rid of those kids for a week. That's why we have summer camp, is to give the parents a break. <laughs> hey, glad you're here today. If this is your first time at the Bridge, we especially want to welcome you today, let you know we're really glad you're here. There are a lot of great churches in the valley, and for you to be here with us, it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the service today and you encounter God right where you are. And if you have any questions today, out that first set of doors, immediately to your right, there's a connection center. Stop by and say hi. They'll let you know how glad we are you're here today. Answer any questions that you might have. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Just really glad you're here today. Can we just welcome our first-time guests together? Thank you for being here. If you've got your Bibles today, if you would, open up to Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to start there in a few minutes. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to do church just a little different today because we're going to have some more worship at the end. But I want to share today and continue in a series I started two weeks ago talking about so much peace. So much peace. There is so much turmoil so much fear in our world today it seems everywhere you turn people are in panic people are afraid they're just going off their rockers for a lot of different reasons and i want you to know that god in the middle of all that's going on around us god has promised peace for every situation in our lives and god wants us to live in that peace and i started this series two weeks ago but i'm going to continue today and i'll finish it up next week but what god offers to us is his supernatural peace not the world's peace but god's supernatural peace. you know what when the bible speaks of god's peace it refers to our personal welfare in every area of life body soul and spirit so when the bible speaks of peace it's talking about god providing for every area of your life and you having what you need in the english language if you go to our dictionary if you look at the word peace it says that peace is the absence of conflict but not so with God. God will give you peace even in the middle of a storm, even in the middle of a conflict. God's peace will be there to override it, assuring you of your future blessing. Because really, from Scripture, peace is God's presence and all the blessings He brings with Himself. And I believe that every follower of Jesus needs to understand that fear and peace are opposites. They cannot and will not coexist. Fear and peace are not going to dwell together. One will drive the other away. And in the same manner, fear and faith are opposites. Because it's by faith that we obtain the peace of God that drives fear out of our lives. And I finished my message two weeks ago talking about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And we talked about the fact that God does not want his children to live in bondage, being tormented by fear, being paralyzed to move and to act, not knowing what's coming next. Because God is controlling the things that you and I cannot control in our lives. So let me just summarize for you three things that I taught in the first message. Three main points. Number one, there's so much fear where does all the fear come from we talked about that if you weren't here two weeks ago today go back and watch the message the second point god has promised us his peace when the world is experiencing so much fear god has said i will give you so much peace it will become greater than the fear of the world and then the third thing we talked about where does that peace of god come from Go back and listen to the message if you didn't hear it. Because today I want to dive right into the message. Uh, two weeks ago I closed the message after talking about 2 Timothy chapter 1. I closed the message by praying for people who are fighting a battle of fear. I told a story from my younger days when I was 19 or 20 years of age. When I went through a time where because of some mistakes I had made, I'd opened the door to fear. And it got to the place where several nights a week I'd wake up in the night and I would 
think I saw things floating around my room and I at times thought I heard voices and the enemy was tormenting me and tormenting me about my future. And I told the story how on a Sunday night my pastor called me out of the audience and just prayed for me and that night God delivered me from a spirit of fear. We prayed that kind of prayer two weeks ago, and I saw a lot of people who responded to it. I had people coming to me talking about how fear was broken off of their lives. But today and next week, we want to concentrate on a little different angle. How do I maintain God's peace in my life? So let's start in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to divide today's message into two main thoughts. Thought number one, you need to know your enemy and you need to understand his schemes. You need to know your enemy and understand his schemes. Look at Matthew 12, begin at verse 43. Jesus says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man or is driven out of a man, that spirit goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. How many of you know when, when God drives the spirit of fear out of your life, he cleans up the whole house and just sweeps everything clean? That's what he does. That's what we saw two weeks ago. Verse 45, then Jesus says, that spirit goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked Generation. Now, you remember in, in, in our first message on this series, we talked about the fact that the wicked should live in fear because they know that the judgment of God someday is coming upon their lives. They don't have God's blessing and protection, and it opens the door to fear. We talked about Psalms 53 that says, There they were in great fear where no fear was. Even when there was no reason to be afraid, if you're not in relationship with God and God's peace is not established in your heart, you can live in fear because you have no control or you don't know anyone has any control over your future. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gives us something that I want to walk through real quickly. He said an unclean spirit, a spirit of fear, for example, can be broken off of a person's life and that spirit that's driven away is going to come back with friends trying to reinforce his dwelling there. In other words, the message is when God sets us free from the enemy, the enemy doesn't always immediately give up. He will come back to find out, listen closely, he will come back to find out what you and I really believe. He wants to know, do you really believe this Jesus stuff? Do you really believe you can be free from me? Do you really believe you can be set free from this fear? And if we don't know how to lock the door and secure the building, Satan will come back in with reinforcements and the end condition is worse than the beginning condition because he builds more strongholds in our lives. Having said that, I want to establish just a couple of things at the beginning of this message. If we're going to understand who our enemy is and how he works, what his schemes are, today we need to recognize fear for what it is. God intends for fear to be your enemy, not your companion. God wants fear. He wants you to understand that fear needs to be your enemy not your companion. Fear is not something to embrace. Fear is something to refuse. It's something for us to stand up against and say, no, I will not make room and place in my life for the spirit of fear. Because, and here's what every person needs to understand, fear is like a spiritual cancer. It comes into one cell and doesn't stay there. It moves to the next cell and then the next cell and the next cell and it spreads and if we give place to fear in our lives in one area before long it begins to spill into other areas and here's the spiritual principle if I have this this ground that I've taken in God and I move forward and the enemy comes in and gets in my face and I take a step backwards as soon as I take that step back he rushes in and takes the ground that I've backed away from I have to learn how to enforce God's peace in my life so we need to understand and recognize also where fear comes from. Again, I got into this two weeks ago, but let me just go back to it today because I need to, to reinforce this. Fear is the result of Satan 
and his lies. Fear is a result of the lies of the enemy. Jesus said, Satan, the devil, he is a liar and the father of it. He talks about this very thing in John chapter 8. And here's what Jesus said. He said, the devil just goes around making up stuff as he goes. He walks into your life and he tells you all kinds of lies. As a matter of fact, what Jesus actually said was, the devil can't even tell the truth. How many of you know somebody who's just a habitual liar? Let me see your hands. Know somebody like that? And they start talking. Do you pay any attention to them? You just nod your head and nod your head and you walk away and say, I don't believe a word he said or a word she said. You can't believe. That's the way we have to learn to deal with the enemy of our souls. Satan is a liar. He's a father of it. And I'm going to tell you something. When Satan tells you something, it is never going to be the truth. He may take the truth and twist it and tell you half of it, but half of the truth is also half of a lie. So we have to understand that lies of the enemy is what strikes fear in our hearts. Now, let me go a little further with this. Fear is a lie from the devil. Therefore, fear is really my faith embracing and believing the devil's lie. You see, fear takes grip in me when I accept that lie and I begin to embrace and believe that that lie could come to pass in my life. It's a picture of me moving away from the promises of God and embracing the lies of the devil. As a matter of fact, fear is expecting the devil's worse when God has promised us his very best. And we need to choose which we're going to believe. I was thinking about it this week. Three weeks ago today, Pastor Corey shared on Sunday morning. And he talked about Peter when, you know, Jesus is up on a hillside looking over the lake and at, at nighttime and a storm arises and the wind's blowing like crazy and the, and the waves are beginning to toss like crazy and the boat's going like this. And so Jesus goes out to his disciples and Jesus starts walking across the water. You know, you can find it there in Matthew chapter 14. So Jesus is walking across the water. And the disciples see him coming and they become afraid at first. But then somebody says, wait a minute, that looks like Jesus. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's really you, let me come out to you. Jesus said, okay, come on out. And Peter steps down out of the boat. You know, the, the waves are going like this. And Peter starts walking out to Jesus. And everything's going great. But all of a sudden, it says that Peter saw that the wind was boisterous. And when he noticed the wind was boisterous, boisterous and got his attention on the circumstances around him, he began to sink. Jesus grabbed him by the arm. Jesus pulled him up and saved him, got him back in the boat. And Jesus' words were, why were you so fearful? How did you not have faith? Why did you give in to this thing? And, you know, we can talk about it from 17 directions. It's not that Peter didn't have faith. Of course Peter had faith. He stepped out of the boat, and Peter walked on the water for a few steps. The problem was his faith was short-lived. Now, let me, let me just walk through this with you. Let's turn this around for a moment. What really happened was Peter's in the boat and things are going crazy in the boat. And you know, he's a fisherman, so he knows that boats can be crazy out on the water. And, and just a couple months ago, a lot of us here in the church were right there in the very area where this happened. We know what it would be for Jesus to walk off one of those hills right under the lake and walk out to the disciples. But think about it. Peter's in the boat and he sees Jesus and says, Jesus. I want to come to you. See, what Peter really said was, well, wait a minute now. If Jesus can walk on the water, why can't I? Let that sink in a minute. If Jesus can walk on the water, why can't I? Jesus said, okay, come on out. You got faith? Go ahead. And Peter did walk on the water until he saw the wind. Now, here's what I want you to notice about this. In the original writings, some translations say when he saw that the wind was boisterous. I think it's NIV. One of the translations actually says when he saw the wind. In the original manuscripts, some of the original manuscripts don't have the word boisterous in there. It simply says when Peter saw the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen the wind? Come on, smile at me. It's not a trick question. <laughs> Have you ever seen the wind? I've seen stuff blowing in the wind. 
I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wants to blow. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going next. You just don't know because the wind's mysterious like that. We know that in the afternoons around here. We get the wind. But here's what I want you to see. Peter is walking on the water because he's believing the words of Jesus. But then he begins to notice, wow, it's windy out here. You know what? It was windy when he was in the boat. It was windy when he first got out of the boat. The wind hadn't changed. But he began to put his attention on the influences of things around him. And when he did, he began to sink. And that's exactly why we struggle so much with fear. It's because we focus our attention on circumstances around us rather than keep staying focused on the promises of God. That's good. That's good. I like this. I'm going to buy this CD. It's really good. <clears throat> So let me ask you, have you ever seen the wind? Of course you haven't. Let me ask you this. When the wind blows in your life, who do you believe? The wind or the word? Who are you believing? Now, look at Romans chapter 8. I'll show you something else here. We're talking about knowing the enemy, knowing who fear is and where it comes from, and understanding the tactics of the enemy. Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 5. We're going to look at a lot of verses today, but I'm going to move fast. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Pause here a moment. Paul is saying, if you're a fleshly, natural, carnal person, you're only going to think in natural fleshly carnal circumstances you can only think where your mind is focused okay that's what he's saying here for those who live according to the flesh set their mind they set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit they set their minds on the things of the spirit now look right here if any man is in christ he becomes a new creature Old things pass away, all things become new. And a part of what's new is we have a new life to live, but we have to disconnect from the old life, which is controlled only by natural, carnal, physical thinking. We have to disconnect from that and connect to the new life that is available to us based on the promises of God's Word. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to learn the Word, we have to believe the Word, attach our faith to it, and then begin to walk that. And as we do that, it will separate us from fear. Now let's read on, verse seven, or verse 6. For to be carnally minded, naturally physically minded, is death. So if all I can do is consider natural circumstances, everything I'm involved in is continually going to be winding up wrong. Why? Because I'm believing circumstances rather than God's Word. To be carnally minded is death. But goes on to say, but to be spiritually minded, if I'm attached to the promises of God and I'm believing the promises of God, to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Now, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that peace begins when we go to the cross and we can stand in the presence of God with no fear of sin. But peace continues when I believe the other promises of God and begin to stand on those promises and believe God rather than believing things that might be going on around me. Because 90% of the things that cause fear in our hearts are lies that never come to pass. Lies of the enemy. Now look at verse uh, number 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. What it means is the natural thinking of man fights against God. Isaiah 55 tells us what? God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your, your thoughts. My thoughts are way up here. Yours are way down there. And you need to learn to think the way I think. What is it God wants to do when we come to Jesus? He wants to renew our minds according to Romans 12. He wants to renew our minds so that we begin to think according to the promises of God and the things he said he would do rather than the lies of what the enemy says he's going to do to us. As long as I'm living here, things are dying. When I step over here, things come alive and I stay in the peace of God. That's interesting. He says in verse 8, 
So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If I'm thinking over here and living over here, it's never pleasing to God. Why? Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because the only way we walk in the promises of God is through faith, believing that what God says outweighs everything else. So, what do we get out of this? We understand that the mind is a battlefield. Everybody go like this. This is where the war is fought right here. Now, I know it eventually it works on down to here. I know that. But this is where the battle is right here. It's between my ears. It's what am I going to think? What am I going to believe? Where am I going to place my faith and my trust? Am I going to walk this direction or am I going to walk that direction? See, faith isn't just what's here. Faith is what I have here that causes me to walk in a direction. Your faith in the enemy's lies will cause you to walk that direction. Your faith in God's word will cause you to walk in this direction and see God fulfill his word in your life. Can I get two amens? One from, the, one from each side? There we go. Now, <clears throat> go to 2 Corinthians 10. You see, spirituality is really believing God's word, which is spiritual. Jesus said the word of God is spirit and life. Spirituality is believing what God's word says rather than believing other voices. That's what it means to really be spiritual, to believe God. Now, 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm moving fast today, but I'm doing it for a reason because I want to lay this foundation. I want to talk about those spiritual battles on that battlefield between your ears. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul has been talking about some issues in the church that he had to deal with and some people who were resisting him. And he said, you know what, I'm going to come back to you one of these days. And when I come, I'm going to be much stronger than I was last time I was there, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And he begins to talk about the difference between a spiritual natural battle and a, a natural battle and a spiritual battle. Here's what he says in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not fight or war according to the flesh. How many of you came in here this morning? How many of you walked in here in the flesh? Come on, miss your hands. How, how did the rest of you get in here? Okay. Did they roll you in? Though we walk in the flesh, though we're flesh and blood and we live in a natural flesh and blood world and body and environment... Though we walk in the flesh, we cannot fight a fleshly battle in the realm of the spirit. We fight the spiritual battle with the spirit-empowered word of God. That's what he's talking about. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. Notice that word. They will pull down strongholds. The weapons God gives us pulls down what the enemy has built up goes on to say, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, bringing every thought to the place when you think about a problem, you think according to the promises of God rather than the lies of the enemy. Bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. In verse 6 it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When I make a mistake and I get into fear, what do I do? I turn around and I correct the situation and I get it realigned. Now, let me walk you through this real fast. Fear builds strongholds in your mind. I told the story when I was a young man. The enemy built a stronghold in my mind. He convinced me I was not going to be what God created me to be, what he called me to be. I was not going to do the things that he called me to do. My life was going to be a total wreck because he'd had me based on mistakes I had made. I believed those lies, and as a result, I was over here. But once that spirit was broken off of me, I had to learn, how do I maintain this peace? Because I, I found out it wasn't long until the enemy came back one night, knocked on the door, woke me up in the middle of the night, and said, I'm back. And I had to figure out how to deal with him. And I'll be getting into more of that next week when I finish this series. But it begins with me understanding. There's a battlefield, and I've got this spiritual battle, and I can't fight a fleshly battle against spiritual opponents. I've got to fight a spiritual battle using what God has given me. And the interesting thing about strongholds, 
the enemy convinces you of something he can do. He builds a stronghold. A stronghold is like a, a castle that's got a moat around it. and It's got the gates that close to keep the enemy out. The enemy gets in there and he builds this thing and nothing can get in. Nothing can change this. I'm expecting horrible things to happen. I live in fear. I'm afraid to do this and I'm afraid to do that. That's because the enemy's built a stronghold here. But what it says is, beyond that, is that once that stronghold is built, it gets hooked into our emotions. How many of you know you have emotions? How many know somebody that's got emotions? Every man in the house has got his hand up. Every husband, yeah, I know, I know somebody. Just kidding, don't get mad at me, okay? Let me talk about this a moment. I said earlier, God's peace, when it, when it talks about God's peace in Scripture, it's talking about welfare, your welfare in every area of life, physically, spiritually, and mentally. We're three-part beings. We are body, we are spirit, but we're also soul. And soul refers to my mind, my will, and my emotions. When the enemy builds a stronghold of fear in my mind, it gets tied to my emotions. And anytime that subject comes up, my stomach starts to churn. I wake up in the night, and that comes to my mind. My stomach starts to churn. I can't go back to sleep. That's because your emotions are tied to that stronghold. And that stronghold needs to be broken out of your life. And we need to learn how to maintain God's peace. But in the next verses, it says we need to learn to cast down imaginations. What are imaginations? I'm imagining that this thing is going to get worse and worse, and this bad thing's going to happen. That's what it's talking about. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that denies the promise of God is something that's fighting against God's peace in your life. If God says, I will do this, and the circumstance says, no, God can't do this, this is going to happen to you, that's a lie of the enemy. And what it actually says in the original writings, it uses the word from which we get our word logic. We look at a situation and our mind says, well, logically, all these bad things are going to happen to me because the doctor said this, and this person said that, and the judge said this, and besides that, I keep thinking about so-and-so. I know what happened to them. And the first thing you know, we've reasoned our way into believing that the enemy is going to destroy us, and all the time, God's over here saying, that's not going to happen. You just need to believe me and trust me and stop living in fear. It's a stronghold that needs to be pulled down. God has provided spiritual weapons for us to fight this battle. Number two, everybody say number two. That was all just number one, okay? But number two is shorter. <clears throat> Look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to come back to Romans chapter 8 in a few minutes, but I want to show you a couple things right here. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 15. Now, number one, after we understand who our enemy is and how he operates and all those things we just talked about number two we need to know who god says we are i need to know who god says i am i need to know who god says i am and i need to agree with god that i am who he says i am and it takes us a while to get out of this thinking into this thinking now look at Romans chapter 8, begin at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, it says God has chosen us. He's brought us into his family, and we no longer have to live in fear because we now have all these promises available to us. Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, one of the reasons people love to come to church is because you come to church here, you walk in on Sunday morning, we're singing, worshiping God, the presence of God is here, it's strong, and for a little while, all the fear is driven out of your life. Why? Because the presence of God drives that away. But we have to learn how to enforce God's peace and establish God's peace between Sundays, between the times we go to God's house. So the Spirit himself tells us, you're children of God. Look at verse 17. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God. 
I want this to sink in today. If we are children of God, are we children of God? If we're children of God, then we're also what? Heirs of God. Now let's go one step further. Not only are we heirs of God, we are joint heirs with with Christ. What do you think God has given to Christ? What has God given to his son Jesus? Everything. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the son of God, is an heir to the throne. He's received all of that from the father. We are joint heirs with Christ, which means everything that he has received from the father, we have right to the same things because we're joint heirs with Jesus. See, the problem is a lot of us don't believe that. Well, I, I couldn't have what Jesus has. Why not? He's, God's given it to us. Well, I didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve anything you got from God. He gave it to you by grace. You accepted it by faith. Why don't you go ahead and accept that by faith? Because it's rightfully ours. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Did, did you hear that? You need to say that for yourself. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. This is good. I could quit right here. And it's been worth your money. You know, been worth every penny. Hadn't even cost you anything. Okay. But here's the problem. See, Peter said, <laughs> well, if Jesus can do it, why can't I? The rest of the disciples, <laughs> I can imagine all the things they were saying. And I guarantee you, they were laughing when Peter sank. It's amazing how many Christians are sitting in the boat. <laughs> and there's somebody out there walking across the water saying, I can have what Jesus has. We are children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. In verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If I take the opposition, if I take the things that people say about me because of my faith in God, if I take the persecution that might come my way, and I stand there and say, I'm not giving up, I'm believing God, everything that belongs to God belongs to me because of Jesus. And I can live in peace, not fear. Then you skip on down to verse 31 of this same chapter. Paul's talking about all the challenges of life, and he says, what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, I like to say it this way. Instead of putting it into question, make it a statement. If God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Doesn't matter because God is greater. Then verse... In the next verse, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has made us his children. God has released us from fear and replaced that fear with peace. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the ability to have peace is within you. The Spirit of Christ has brought peace to your life. We don't have to live in fear. Now let me illustrate this to you. I'm going to stretch, I'm going to stretch your imagination. Okay? So I'm, I'm going to be Jesus for a minute. Okay? Now some of you have a hard time picturing that. Close your eyes, imagine a lot of long hair pretty beard and all that real strong blue eyes the whole thing just like all those pictures of him that Olin Mills took you know <clears throat> some of you don't get that because you're too young but it's okay, okay I'm, I'm Jesus I'm the Savior of the world you accept me as your Lord and Savior and I come into your life and the Spirit of God comes in Jesus is now the Lord of your life and Jesus says man I'm here to stay I'd like to unpack my bags what's in the bag Man, I have got a promise for every situation you'll ever face in life. You are never going to be alone again. You are not going to be orphaned. You're never going to be in a situation where nobody's there to back you up. I'm here to back you up in every single situation of life. And I don't care what the enemy does. I've already defeated him. And I'm here to reinforce my victory in your life. You don't have to be afraid anymore. 
But it's amazing how many people never allow Jesus to unpack his bags in our lives. Winds up in the closet somewhere. Well, well how do I know that's for me? Well, this one's mine because my, name, my name's on the name tag right here. I know this one's mine. I know it. God's made these promises to us as his children. And by faith, we allow him to unpack these things into our lives where we can experience everything he's promised in his word. And friend, I, I said it two weeks ago. I'm going to say it one more time. For every challenge you will ever face in this life, at least one time in the Bible, more than 365 times, you find, do not be afraid, fear not, there's no reason for fear, I'm here with you. God is not going to fail us. Amen. Set aside the fear. <laughs> Live in peace. One last thought, John 14. I'm going to close quickly. John 14, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. See, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is if you will learn the promises of God, every time you get into a situation, he'll remind you of what Jesus said about the situation. Say, hey, don't worry about it. Jesus has got this. He's already made a promise for that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in the next verse, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Well, how can we have peace? Because Jesus has made a promise for every situation you will ever face in this life. He said, don't be afraid. Live in my peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hebrews 13.5 tells us that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never, 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 ever. I need to believe him. Closing this morning, I must learn to accept, to embrace, and believe God's promises and realign my thinking with what he says and not with what anybody else has to say. I need to believe him. And you know, one of the things that aligns our hearts with God is worship. I mentioned earlier we only had two worship songs up front because we're going to have a couple more songs at the end. And I broke my message into two pieces. Number one, recognize your enemy and recognize the battleground. Recognize what fear is and where it comes from. Number two, second part of the message is begin to reinforce God's peace in your life by knowing who you are in Christ. We're the children of God. Here's what we're going to do. The worship team's going to come out. They're going to do a song. And as they do this song, it talks about the battleground that we're fighting and the victory we have in Christ. And I'm going to ask you as they do this song, just sit there and worship God. Let these words sink in your heart. And whatever fear you are battling today, take your stand against that fear and let's let God drive that fear out of our lives. So listen to this first song this morning as the team comes. Happy. 
ask you to stand to your feet this morning the house lights are going to come up we're going to worship God one more song I hope you recognize today fear is a liar making you believe things that are not going to happen in you tormenting you we need to shuffle our faith and our attention to the promises of God and believe who God says we are we're going to do that. I said earlier, one of the ways this happens is through worship. I want to encourage you today. Lift your hearts, lift your hands. Let's sing this song and worship whom the sun sets free is free indeed.
we just give God praise this morning for his freedom. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace today, Father. We glorify your name. Just for a moment, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've sensed the, the beauty of the moment and the peace of this moment. But maybe you feel a little bit on the outside looking in because you're not in relationship with God and you don't have the confidence that God's going to give you his peace. We can deal with that right now. Because maybe your heart is yearning, saying, man, man I want to know that peace. I, I want to get this load off of my mind and off of my heart. You can have that peace today. If you're sensing that and you're feeling that way, it's probably because God, the Spirit of God, is tugging at your heart and God's saying, I want you to be my child. Doesn't matter what's behind you, what matters is what's in front of you. And right now, we become children of God by opening our heart and inviting Jesus into our lives, beginning that relationship with Him. It all starts with a prayer, with simple words. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer together. Open the door for God's peace to begin to rule in your life. Everybody here, pray this with me right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I put my faith in Jesus. He's my Savior. I'll learn to make you the Lord of my life. And I will follow you. I want to know you. I want your peace. So from this day forward, I want to be your child and I want to be I want you to be my father so I receive you now in Jesus name amen amen let's just all lift our hands one more time let's thank God for his presence father thank you for your presence thank you for your presence if I could have the house lights up please thank you father I want to talk to everybody here for just a moment if you prayed that prayer today, maybe you've never been in relationship with God or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run and today you realize it's time to come home. We want to help you start this relationship with God. We've got a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple, simple reading. It'll help you understand how much God loves you and the great plans He has for your life and how He wants to be involved. We want to give it to you. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions, they'll answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you with that as well. If you're in a really big rush, please, before you leave the building, the glass doors as you exit in the lobby, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there with a sign that talks about starting your relationship with God. Stop that counter and say, can I get the booklet? They know what you'll want. They'll give it to you right there. I promise you, it'll help you start building your relationship with God. If we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family, God bless you today. You may be seated this morning.